Have you ever heard words coming out of your mouth and even as you're saying them, you don't really believe them? I have an example for you. This too shall pass. Maybe you are in a hard season of life and you hear yourself telling family, friends, neighbors that this too, it shall pass. But the fact of the matter is, it sure doesn't feel like it. I don't care if you are coming out of an injury. Maybe you've experienced a death of someone close to you. Maybe depression has created a hole that you cannot climb out of. Our words to ourselves through these trying times, they make a difference. Words are powerful. Our thoughts are powerful. I have a story and actually an interview for you today about someone close to me who hit a huge bump in the road and he is coming out of this hardship and ready to share his story or what I would call his wisdom. So stay tuned for some possibly much needed inspiration. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I want to change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. Welcome to episode 49, This Too Shall Pass. I've got a great story and an interview for you today that could inspire and comfort you. I'm normally talking your ear off, but today I thought we would just cut straight to the chase. I cannot wait to introduce you to my Uncle Kevin. He always has had an active life and seldom sat still for any length of time. Growing up, he was active in scouting and hunting and hiking and skiing and photography, archery, woodworking, and numerous other pursuits. As a pilot in the Air Force and then for Southwest Airlines, he traveled extensively. When he retired a year and a half ago, there was no time to settle down and sit in a rocker. Nope. He traveled nationally and abroad, scuba dived in the Cayman Islands, did photography shoots of friends, families, wildlife, rocket launches, and completed many home repair and improvement projects. Then, then, then came Hurricane Dorian. It was projected to run straight into their home at a Category 5 before it stalled over the Bahamas. It turned north and gave their area only really a glancing blow. There wasn't much damage, but a local organization, which helps children with special health care needs, they needed some help cleaning up and and just, just really setting everything back up to, to normal before the storm. So Kevin and my Aunt Jan had offered their help, and during that day is when Kevin suffered an injury that would bring his active lifestyle just to this screeching halt, and it really sidelined him to the couch for the next three months. He is still healing, but slowly getting back to normal life. This injury gave him a lot of time to think, and he has been healing. And through all this healing, I talk to my Aunt Jan weekly, and I feel like Kevin always has comments or talk points, and it was through this that I was like, 
we need to podcast. You have such great insight and things that have been going on. They're they're relevant and they matter. Would you mind doing this with me? And he was like, sure, I'd love to. So today I bring you Uncle Kevin. And my encouragement from all of my listeners is just take this insight and just put it into whatever facet of life that it really speaks to you because all this information makes sense wherever you want to interject it. It's awesome. I'm so excited to bring you Kevin. And so welcome. Uh, Welcome, Uncle Kevin. How are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. Are, Are you in sunshine? Well, actually, I'm inside of a semi-dark room because I was told by a little bird that I shouldn't be outside with all the background noise. But yes, it is a beautiful day here in Florida. (laughs) So just for our listeners, I always talk to Kevin's wife, who's my aunt. And when we're Skyping, I'm always jealous because it's always beautiful and sunny where you are. And it's always like dreary and raining or snowing here. So I'm moving to Florida. We have to go on record. You've always been invited to come rejoin the pool. Yes. That, that's a good point. Yes. <laughs> so you and I were talking yesterday. And before we get into that, there was a moment where I was like, oh, we have to podcast. But we're going to press pause on that thought for a second and rewind to where you had a huge life event happen to you this last September. Could you tell us a little bit about what's been going on? Well, we have those fun events here in Florida called hurricanes. And hurricanes are bad, but sometimes it's the aftermath and cleanup of hurricanes that get people in trouble. And that was my get-go this year. So I was standing on top of an eight-foot concrete wall, bamboo shoots on one side, and this big tree on the other had a saw in my hand, and I had about a six-inch branch that I had to cut off this tree, cut the bottom so it wouldn't snap, cut the top, it started to crack, watched it, Going good, finished the cut, and whatever that branch caught, we still don't know to this day what it caught, but it started down good, went about two to three feet, did a a great big huge Edelman, which is like over the top action, back over, and just nailed my toe, just my toe, on top of this wall. Oh, and Jan's description of this was smashed it like a grape. (laughs) Like, we're talking- Have you ever ever cooked a hot dog too long in the microwave, and you know what the ends look like when they blow? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was my toe. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm, I couldn't have been there, Kevin. I would have passed out. I would have been no help. Well, Jan wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't sure what to do. You know, it's like, okay, I know that hurt. I gave it the one little mini sentence of bad words you're not supposed to say in front of the little ones. (laughs) And then I went silent and Jan's kind of like, okay, you're not saying anything. And, um, we got, I finally, I had the saw in my hand. I didn't drop the saw. I didn't fall off the wall. Jan brought the ladder back. I got down, handed her the saw, and we had a friend there who came over and threw her, her shoulder underneath my arm, and we hobbled over to, to a car across this field, and we proceeded to take my shoe off. And uh. the whole, about halfway across, I'm going, you know, this probably isn't good, but my foot is feeling wet. Uh. And so oh. we, took, we took the shoe off, and the whole end of the, red, the sock was just red. It's like, Okay, we're not taking anything else off. She got a big bandage and just wrapped the sock around it and into the car I went and off to the hospital. We didn't know. I hadn't seen it at this point. I mean, let me tell you how this would have gone if it was me. <laughs> I would have dropped, like thrown the saw. <laughs> I would have injured somebody else. <laughs> and then the whole concept of having to climb down the ladder with a smashed foot, like 
you're amazing. You have the most calm. You have a background though, I feel like, in being injured and in survival. Can you even let us know about that? What else have you done to yourself in your life? I've had a few experiences. <laughs> um, it started back in 1965. I was on a five-year wave for a while. My sister, bless her heart, and everybody's talked to Kathy, um, sat on me in the basement and broke my collarbone. Oh. <laughs> that was when we were just little kids wrestling around. Yeah. 1970, I broke my left leg in 15 places, skiing and jumping at uh, Winter Park in oh. Colorado. 75, I cut the end of my finger off. That was working in a canning factory. And I finally got out of those five-year waves, I thought. But the 1980 came along, and I cut all the way down to the bone on my left finger. And that was when I first met Jan, and she took me to the emergency room. But it's been pretty good since then, little things here and there. But uh, this is my last big event, smashing my toe. Okay, yes, we're going to say that for sure. My kids love your missing fingertip. They're always like, Kevin with the missing, like, that just... <laughs> They think that's the coolest thing. No, they sure. think Frodo's the nine-fingered hop, but I'm the nine-and-a-half-fingered human being, I guess. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, so this happened, this toe smashing, though, happened back in September. Yes. So three months ago, right? We just had your three-month little anniversary here. We did. Can you Can you go into the emotional component of this? Because... I feel like to the outside person, it's like, oh, it's a toe. You know, life should have felt pretty normal, whatever. Give Anyone us who's had a toe injury knows that toes are very dynamic. I mean, you get a small hangnail. Anyone who's had a hangnail on a toe, it hurts. You can't put it in a shoe. It's hard to walk on it. Um, toes are kind of fragile. Yes. And when it first happened, we got to the emergency room and the PA cut the sock off and I looked at it for the first time and it's like, oh, this is not good. Oh. You know, toenail kind of hanging off one side and meat coming out like a cauliflower head on the other <laughs> side. Oh, stop. <laughs> and you know, she's kind of going, well, I'm not sure we're going to be keeping this. I don't know what, we're, what they're going to do with it, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, make a long story short, it was up to the first month to month and a half that we were going to let it heal up enough to where they could figure out where the bone was because it all got smashed also mm -hmm. and then just remove it down to some point as in cut it off and keep as much of the toe as we could and from there I just got lucky and every every week I went to the doctor then every two weeks toward the end where it's like you you are one lucky stiff and as it was my toe actually closed up healed and I'll I'm gonna have a blunt kind of a blunt toe It'll be a flat end, but the, the whole toe is going to be there. But it's going to be there. And you had a point where you had been healing and then thought that you were going to have to go through surgery and you were going to have to kind of start the whole healing process over again. Do you remember that? That was my down point. Um, knowing that it was going to go through the healing process and I was going to have to wait to do this and do that and yada, yada. And that swimming pool you talked about, it was so nice. I couldn't get in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but then in the early part of the conversation was, like I just said, we're going to have to wait for that first month or so, and then we'll decide where we're going to take it off. So we were talking about amputation or at least probably a skin graft over the toe. Yeah. And because of the area and how fragile that is, I had no idea, but a skin graft is another in my chair on my butt, no walking for another five weeks. Right. And that was a, that was a big depression to me. I can handle getting hurt 
recovering and then moving forward. But to think I was going to go half the way there to be put back into the beginning to right. start all over again, that was not good. No. And I remember you, I was Skyping again with Jan and you had come in and you were like, this is crazy. You can see my, you like took your phone and scanned your whole body and you were like, all of this works except this one stupid big toe and how it really did. It was, you were on the couch because of it, right? Like, I feel like you were very. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I wasn't, I had to keep it elevated because the foot and leg would swell if I didn't. I try to walk it would hurt. And then after the first month or so, I was walking on the outside of my foot, holding the toe in the air. So that threw out the ankle, which threw out the knee, which kind of threw out the hip. And um, it's like everything else in life. Very seldom is it the big things. You know, we all make that joke about people having troubles in their marriage and what it is. It's who squeezes the toothpaste where on the tube. Yeah. You know, it's the small <laughs> things that make huge, huge differences because you can't get around them. They're there every day. Constant reminders. And letting you know, I'm still here, nana, nana, boo, boo. Yeah, yeah, here and, and thriving at this point, you know. But, like, tell us all how this did affect, what was the pre-injury, Kevin, like, versus during the healing versus where you're starting to get back to now? I think for me, I have had a number of serious injuries. I mean, not life-threatening, but serious injuries through my life. And I know that there's an injury point, there's a recovery point, and there's life after. And I learned as a very young person that if you get hurt, it hurts. Get over it. As my dad would say, grab your bootstraps, pull them up, and keep moving. Um, so comfy. <laughs> this, I know. <laughs> this was the new thing that I wasn't used to, and that was I was going to – I can't imagine people like burn patients or these people who go through multiple surgeries to take care of a single issue. Mm -hmm. The idea of going back into the pain because you had to you had to go backwards just absolutely threw me. So there was a couple of weeks in there I was kind of a, a darker personality as far as like, okay, where is this going? People would talk about the toe and I would ramble. I would just I would tell anybody, if you want to listen to me, all I'm gonna talk about is my toe, okay? We're not gonna talk about anything else. It's about my toe, it's about me. Yeah, my turn. And, uh, <laughs> I I don't know exactly when it when it turned. Um, but all of a sudden, just like, you know what? I am done with this. Yeah. What's going to happen is going to happen. I can't change that. So here we go. And people would come in and I'd go, we're not talking about the toe anymore. <laughs> Talked <laughs> about done. that enough. And um, personality came. And next thing you know, the doctor's saying, you're healing beautifully. Um, the scab on the end of it's going to go ahead. It's actually a big, thick piece of skin, more than just a scab. But it's going to fall off. It's going to be flat, but I think I'm done with you. Unless something else comes up, have a good life. And it's just like, that's, that's what right. it always was supposed to be. Yeah. You get hurt, you heal, go have a good life. Well, but this is what brought up the podcast thought was this exact point. And it was the idea that looking back and you can see the beginning, the middle, and now the end, there's one feeling. But when you're living in the moment, my question initially to you was, did you have the words coming out of your mouth like this too shall pass, but then in your brain really thinking, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like this is going to pass, you know, which might've been those dark moments like you were talking about. And then that lifted, but. The most unique thing about that particular phrase and all the phrases that we tell each other is I would tell people so they would feel better. This will pass just a toe. We're moving on. We're good. 
Mm -hmm. And um, it comes in so many phrases in so many other ways. You know, we meet somebody who's going through a huge griefing period for either a loved one who passed or whatever. And we always want to tell them that time will heal all wounds, mm -hmm. whatever those are, emotional or physical. Mm -hmm. And But when it's us, we'll still use the words, but it's really hard to take those words. I mean, when was the last time you looked, went to the bathroom, looked in the mirror and said, this too shall pass? Because there's no one you're talking to but you. Oh, and you have good. to listen, you have to believe it. And I think we say it, and I think it helps us because we're telling other people, at least we're hearing the words. Right. But it takes a while for it to sink back in and become real. And we're really good about saying things in our lives and then doing opposite. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure what the mental game there is, is how we forgive ourselves. And, but I do know that what we do today has absolutely nothing to do with when the sun comes up the next day because that's a brand new day. You can't change yesterday. All you can do is change today and you start over. Right, right, right. So when we're also talking about words, you also said the whole, like we do this with our kids. We, we the do as I say, not as I do type of thinking. I challenge any parent to deny that. Yeah. Because <laughs> we all do it and we all mean it. We want them to be the best that they can be. We don't want them to fall into our troubled areas but is that realistic not really i mean we need to be not only a, a verbal but we need to be a physical presence of showing our kids what we mean by what we say and then try very very hard to do the things that we say right but we don't listen to ourselves very well we don't you know we always joke around about like in the medical profession nurses are the worst patients and it's because i and i and it probably would go there we could take this anywhere but they're really great at telling the patient what to do but for themselves it's so hard and again it goes down that same line that you're talking about i it goes back to how important words are in general and how i don't care if it's within fitness and nutrition that we can tell ourselves that we are not happy with our body or happy with our body that we right. don't understand like how impactful that's going to be if we're always talking negative we start to believe it if we're always talking positive we'll start to believe it even if it takes forever to start to believe it we'll get there yes. like, do you believe in the power of words in that way absolutely i mean i don't want to make this a religious conversation here but when was the last time you didn't go to a church and hear that Jesus loves you? How many times have you heard that phrase in your life? And they, they keep telling you over and over and over again. And that's because the power of words in repetition begin to sink in and it becomes something that you cling on to in, in your lifetime. And we were talking about talking to yourself in the mirror and using words. And you have to be very careful because... If you have a really bad day, it's really easy for the last philosophy I just said, and the sun comes up, it's a new day, you can forget those and start all over. The same thing happens if you have a really, really, really good day. Everything you do is right. Well, if you wake up in the morning and compare yourself to yesterday, yeah, you're going to lose. Oh, it's such a good point. <laughs> and you don't want to lose. So, you know, I, you've used the terms of be, be um, oh, what do you say? be good to yourself be you know give yourself a, a little slack yeah we're not perfect every day you gotta kind of go with the flow but words are very very important and if we tell ourselves that we're gonna do 
everything tomorrow, just like today, because today was so great, we set ourselves up. And on the other side, this is just a terrible day. I did everything wrong. Why am I even trying to do this? Right. It's just as detrimental. So what I like about what you do, what I like about what I do, like with injuries on my toe, you say it when you wake up in the morning, this too shall pass. And then you just kind of go with that. I mean, you're not comparing yourself to other people, but you're not comparing yourself to yesterday's self. Right. Or tomorrow's right. self. And that's where you can see progress. At least for me, it helps me out. And next thing you know, you're out running and doing what you wanted to do. Don't know how you got there. Can't right. remember exactly what you did. But you, all of a sudden, you realize that what you were fighting with is over. It's gone. Right. And I think, again, it comes back to that belief that that will actually come. And so this was the year that mom got injured as well. She had her big breaking of her ankles and breaking of her wrists. Um, and I remember her turning point of being able to be in the kitchen and wipe herself, all those, those points of turn. I remember getting the picture from Jan of you with your coffee in your hand walking you love to do your walkabout around your perimeter and i knew when that picture came and you were out with your coffee it was like that's the door your turning point has come it has and it's just gone day by day more and more we went for a bicycle ride yesterday and yes. used the ball of the foot on the pedal instead of the arch so it actually was flexing the ankle and didn't hurt that bad in fact it opened up a little bit so we're moving in the right direction and you got to take every single i mean we did a five-minute bike ride. Ooh, right. But it means a lot. It does mean we a lot. A, you know, you climb the stairs, and you've been here. We have a big staircase. It goes quite a ways up there. You get up there. I did it. And then you turn around, you go back down. It's like, okay, how do I do this? And for the first time, you walk down going every other step like normal versus down a step, catch up, down a step, catch up, down a step, catch up. Right. And it's those little things that we get to see that – we're, we're going to be okay. So what's your opinion when you can say that and somebody else knows that they should be counting those small accomplishments as wins? But I'm sure you see this all the time too. We brush them under the rug, typically. Like you're woo about the bike ride. I know that you're joking about that, but that is, the, that is a true feeling out of most people is whoop-dee-doo. I'm not anywhere near where I should be and like then the frustration stays i think what i would want to throw out there for people to think about that and you're right i, I do make jokes a lot about things that i don't really necessarily mean to be jokes but oh, it's no no it's good like it brings up great you know, talk. It, it does and I, I know a lot of people who do that but i think people like even myself who just went oh i went i went for a five-minute bike ride woo you know and talking to you yeah okay that's really not much but still inside I look at that as a huge, that's my first time on a bike in three weeks, or in three months. Three months, yeah. And I don't care how short it was, it felt good. Yeah. And so I guess you need to listen to the inside voice as well as the outside voice. Because a lot of times we use words to hide things, to cover things, to do all kinds of stuff. But we have to listen to the inside voice behind those words that's maybe making a joke out of a bike ride, but going, yeah, but I did it. Yeah. Do you think your background, so you're, you're a retired pilot, retired military, like, do you think any part of your background or your upbringing has brought out these, you are really good at finding like quiet space of 
of listening to your inner self, where do you think that's come from for you? Hours and hours of sitting silent in an airplane. It'll you think? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, um, I think it came from all, all over. I think it came from scouting, learning how to be self-efficient. Order the arrow, they take you out in silence and drop you off near a tree trunk, and no one comes back and sees you for a day and a half, and you are on your own. Oh You're just there. Yeah. Um, survival training in the military, where you learn how to be a POW, where they they're very good at their game. You know, you know, going in, it's just it's just a head game. No one's going to get hurt. Yeah, after about four hours, you're a POW, you're in full mental gear. They're good at their job. Yeah. And they get you in there and they may get you to stand on the flag or they may get you to deface something for the United States. And what the training that comes out is what happened today doesn't have anything to do with what starts tomorrow. Hmm. Don't don't bring what you did today as your new platform to begin tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Whatever you did wrong, whatever you did right, that was yesterday new game, brand new day. And um, boy, as far as the quiet zone, that was very quiet inside that little box they put you in. But um, <laughs> I'm not really sure uh, where I found a quiet zone. I do like to think a lot to myself. Um, I used to do a lot of long walking. And for me, that's my, that's my big quiet time. I mean, when I get out for between three and six hours, just walking, my mind does everything from build boats to think philosophically about what I want to say to whomever or whatever I want to do. Or we went and saw the movie, Mr. Rogers. Oh, excellent movie. You got to go see it. But I'm still mentally very in tuned and thinking about that movie. I can't get it out of my head. Guy was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, Youth group back in high school, some of the bands that we just played with and whatnot. It's um, I think it all goes together. Mm-hmm. You take all your experiences and you wrap them up. And when you got a bad one, you kind of try to let go of it. You remember it so you don't do it to somebody else. Right. And you move forward. Right. I've always, I've, unfortunately, probably my dad's the final straw. Grab your bootstraps, kid. Pull them up. Keep moving. Where you I don't were, think that's good. I don't think it's a good saying at all. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worked for me, I suppose. I was going to say, I feel like you were able to take it in a kind of positive direction of you came from a lot of love, you know, and at the end of the day, though, it was also like, there was some suck it up. Oh, which brings up, you had written in a comment section in one of our Monday morning chats. It's one of the phrases that I was saying can be bad. And you're like, oh, discipline, the word discipline. You had a way to spin that into something that was just more concrete and not so like emotional behind it. Do you remember what you were saying? Boy, I wish I could. Unfortunately, my thoughts go come, come and go quickly. No, but the word okay. discipline is a very negative connotation to say that you're going to discipline somebody or do discipline. But I think it was like one of my buzzwords. I was going to be more disciplined. Yes. Um, to put it into a funny way, I suppose. Let's think of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Uh, they spoke horse and they had virtue and all this other stuff that they were famous for. They were true. They never lied. Um, and that's a self-discipline. That's where you become honest with yourself, which is very, very difficult. You know, you would think it'd be easy to be honest with yourself. Who are you trying to kid versus right. honest with somebody else? But it's not easy to be honest with yourself. Somehow we have two sides of the brain and one can lie to the other. However that works, I don't know. But that's a good place to start, to be honest with yourself. 
allows you to then begin to be a better person outwardly and uh, without discipline, be better for other people. Yes, no, so beautifully said. And I think as one of our takeaways, listeners from Kevin today, is to really take some of these words like discipline, like let's quit putting such a negative connotation with them and feeling like beat up by it and really look at it more from a standpoint of showing up to yourself daily, whether that's through your words or through your actions. And even the pulling yourself up by the bootstraps at some point, you know, it is, let's take an injury, for example it's okay. I've, I've gotten mad or I've gotten sad. And now I just need to like keep taking these baby steps forward so I can start seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and making some change. Absolutely. And discipline for me, actually, I guess is another way of saying taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, if we've done something wrong, none of us want to get caught. Right. That's what discipline's all about. Whether it's inside yourself or it's outside with your kids or just a spouse or friends or whatever. If you do something wrong, outwardly or inwardly, someone has to take responsibility. And we turn away from it so hard in the world today because we think somebody else has to be at fault. And it's like, I'm not saying we're all bad, but we do need to have discipline. We need to have honor within ourselves to stand up and take responsibility. It's a, it's a discipline. It's right. Okay. Okay. We're back to King Arthur. Sorry. Right. I love this. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> oh. King Arthur. So I'm going to lighten this for a second and go back to, and if you don't care talking about it, where did this crazy, you know, when you went from crazy active Kevin to on the couch, Kevin, how can, do you care talking about how it affected eating habits or, you know, taking away movement? Did that put, I would put my brain in not a good spot. Like, can you talk about that? I don't think 20 pounds is too bad. (laughs) Oh, whatever you did. Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, chances it's not quite that bad, but yeah, I think more than anything, just from sitting, not doing anything, but it is hard because you have an eating pattern, whether you think that you eat only when you're hungry, which is what I would say about myself. Yeah. I'm a gorger. I'll eat really big and then I'll eat for a day and a half. But that's not good. You're a snake. <laughs> I am a snake. Um, but you find yourself eating the same way. And it gave, gave me a really, here I go again, I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, it's a perspective for like people who are handicapped or wheelchairs or go down the road of uh, MS or yeah. where their life comes to this point and then physically stops. Yeah. And how they keep care of themselves. It's difficult to change your eating habits and if for a short period because, well, no, there's no because. It's just hard. It's just Whether hard. it's going to be a long-term project or if it's going to be a short, like for me, it's short-term. Right. People with a more serious handicap, it's going to be a long-term. And it makes you angry. Yeah. It, ju- it just does. You know, I'll get a bowl of cereal. Jen, and I'll go back to get a second one. Jen goes, you really want that? It's like, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say that? <laughs> go this away. Is my bad toe. I'm eating shush. <laughs> yeah. I know, truly, it's like the last thing you want people nitpicking you on when you're like. <laughs> and yes, it's what you really need, though. And it's not that even, you know, Jan, as well as I do. And we all know our friends. Friends don't tell you things to hurt you yeah. or to be mean. Yeah. They point out the things that they're seeing that maybe they're wondering if you are or you are not. And sometimes right. we have to take the time and reflect and listen, even if it's go home later on and think about it. And we can always say thank you later. 
Um, it's hard to hear it, but you need to think about it. And Jan was right. I didn't need, I didn't need, need the first bowl of cereal, yeah. let alone the second. <laughs> and it's, I don't know why we do that. Food is comfort. It is. Whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a bad toe, whether it's bummed up or whatever. Right. That's what we go for. Something right. that is warm and comfortable. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if that's, I think that's one of our big problems in our society. Because we have a lot of negativity in the world around us right now. I think a lot of it comes from the, these things that we're sitting on right here. Computers and information is so overwhelming. Right. That it triggers into that survival instinct to eat now because you might not be able to eat tomorrow. I could see that. Yeah. And so we put a lot, we put a lot of value in food. We and do. Good food is, has good value. <laughs> it, do, it does. Oh my goodness. I mean, everything from like you're saying comfort to social to you name it food and yes. it's quick and easy fix, right? For an emotion to mute an emotion. It's one of the quickest ways we can get that comfort. It is. And the hard part about it is it's really, really hard to break that. Um, I'm not sure. I, I haven't broke it. I do know when I get emotional, I, I'm an emotional eater. I know that. And we aren't talking little emotions that I just broke up with my girlfriend and I'm crying in the corner somewhere. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take a lot for me to talk myself into finding something really good because this is a bad day. Yeah. No, me really too. not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, <laughs> I want to is what I want. Exactly. And we yes. allow ourselves to do that. Yes. And that's the hard part. I have, if you ever find the answer to that question, to be able to stop yourself inside your mind in your own conversation and go, no. Right. You don't need this. I mean, you spent the last 20 minutes convincing yourself that you did. Right. And now in one sentence, you're going to say no. Mm-hmm. Sure you are. <laughs> well, and that's where the distraction piece is so huge that when you're laid up on a couch and you don't have the ability to go take the walk or to do the walkabout or to like find that other happiness and go swim, whatever, like all of your other go-to positive habits were stripped away from you. Yes. And I tried to use other avenues of it, like photography. We couldn't go sh do any shooting or or anything. So I tried to just get on my computer and, and play with the old pictures. That lasts for a while, mm -hmm. but it's really hard to not be out and doing. Right. And I think it's very difficult as far as eating and habits, personality. Hats off to my wife. Um, she put up with me for three months. That might have been a lot harder than me putting up with myself for three months. Oh, yes. I give Jan huge credit, but to our listeners who, who have not met Kevin personally, you're like one of the most positive people I've ever met. And so I feel like it's just sad to hear that, you know, like, oh, it's, it would be hard to watch you go into a little bit of mad mode because that's not our Kevin we know, you know. But yeah, it's true. It happens. You're a person. You're real. But Kevin's back. But <laughs> yes. Yeah. I wanted to <laughs> to take a moment, because um, this might have happened to you even in the military coming out, but like, as you're saying, when a life shift happens and we're used to being active and not, I always think of this with like athletes who are used to burning X amount of calories in a day. So they have learned to eat that way through their whole life. And then all of a sudden they stop playing that sport and they're stuck with their eating habits that they're used to. And I could see that same thing happening coming out of the military. Um, 
and then the same thing happened with injury that we like forget that all of those food habits have to change because we were getting 20,000 steps, you know, prior to a life shift. I'm going to throw one other aspect in for your listeners just real quick on this one because we don't like to talk about it because no one's going to tell their real age. Yeah. But this is just an aging process. You know, you talk about the military. The military is a very, very young workforce. Um, a, a, guy, a, a girl or guy who goes to college, becomes an officer, they're still retiring at 20 years, at 40 years old, 42 mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. um, so everything that they're doing, it's a very young workforce. It's very social. In fact, that's the part that everybody misses out of the military is the social aspect because it's ready-made friends. No one has their family around. They're all displaced from all over the United States. So what do you have? You have your unit, your squadron, and they become your family. So it becomes very social. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of parties and let's face it, it's a holiday every month, thanks to Hallmark. And you live them. So, but then you get out and you try to find the social aspect, which doesn't necessarily exist in society as easy. Sure. You have, you have to search it out, but you really can't party like you used to. You know, when we used to go kill the horsey derver tray, the appetizers, <laughs> and then have a full dinner. Yeah. Um, we can't do that in our 50s and our 60s. It just doesn't go away. We aren't burning the calories that we did when we were younger. So right. whether you're an athlete or not athlete, as our life changes, we have to recognize, stop, look at it, listen to people like you, which I think you are wonderful, no, and <laughs> change along with those life things. Yeah, but you're right, kind of jumping back. I wanted to throw the age thing because I think age is almost as important as an athlete. But I can't imagine being a front lineman who they want to bulk up and they're putting 7,000 calories a day or right. more into their bodies. And then all of a sudden they have to cut back to 15. Right. How do you Crazy. do that? Right. Especially without like a ton of handholding through that whole process. That it is a crazy shift. And you've gone through another one too. Sorry, you're such a perfect example of all this. Because when you were a pilot and you were in other cities all the time and you weren't with family, you were taking those three hour walks because you had that time. It was just provided for you. And now you're retired and you're home. And this is even without injury. My guess is you weren't getting as many 20,000 step days in, right? Oh, I don't know if I've had one since I retired. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe over in Europe on vacation doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard. Um, you would think that you would have all kinds of time. You would think that your spouse would want you out of the house. Yeah. But Jan and I do a lot together, and that's kind of the way we like it. So for me to go out for four hours would be unheard of. Here. Yeah. Um, but you're right. When I was a pilot and I was in a city and I had ground time and there was something, I was either going to sit inside and look at the four walls of the hotel, or I was just going to go out and see what was around. Yeah. Go out and see what was around. So that was a big change for me. Yeah. Huge. So I guess I'm just sorry. I'm using you as an example as it's never stagnant. I don't care who we are. Life never stays the same for that long that we're allowed to just settle it. Like you always have to be a little bit aware. And this is where I like pedometers or tracking devices because you can visually see, oh, I was getting 15, 20, and now I'm getting 10 or now I'm getting five. Like we need those visual reminders that when movement shifts like that, then eating has to shift as well. 
I totally agree. And that's something that I'm not going to say I've actually visualized yet. I'm on the slower track than you. But yes, we can use those to give us guidance. It's not necessarily bad that we've changed. Right. But it might be bad that we haven't changed everything along with it. But again, and then that goes back to, because it's hard. It's, that's, you know, and it's a change over time, steady as she goes. No one normally goes, oh, I've changed and now my eating's changed. But I just think awareness is that first, the first step. I think you're absolutely right. Because there's the one guarantee in life, change. Yes. Things will change. They will. You're so wise, Kevin. I'm so appreciative of having you today. And always. Well, <laughs> I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. I don't know if I had any truly words of wisdom, but uh, I feel I have a very, very fortunate wife, a very fortunate life, and a lot of good friends. And I can't measure anything else in life that's more important. So. Oh, I love you. I'll love you too. See you, you soon take care. In, in your sunshine. <laughs> All right. right. You stay getting sunshine when you can find it. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. See you later. Uh Bye. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you, or you could picture that exact person that needed this, I am always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2019 the year we are going to just pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also forever appreciate when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open to new information keeping an open mind to what your journey looks like now, within a year, within the next five years, slow and steady, all. It's not always instant gratification and not always that exciting, but a much gentler, redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all of your years for every season of life. I cannot wait to catch up next Friday. Cheers to health and happiness.